Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport, at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. This is episode number seven, and today we're talking about how to create a role for yourself in sport. Our guest today is Amy White who has worked as a volunteer at her local cricket club, was a regional cricket manager at the WACA as well as Cricket Victoria, and is now Education Partnerships Coordinator at the Richmond Football Club. Amy, welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Amy, just to start off, going right back to where it all began in grassroots cricket, we often tell students that if you're looking to get experience to, to start your career off, that it's really good to get involved in grassroots. Uh, You've done this yourself. Can you share a bit about how you were involved in grassroots and were then able to turn that experience into your first job at the WACA without having to go to uni? Well, for me, it started, I guess I played cricket. So for me, I was passionate about that and getting other young girls into the game. Um, I didn't want to just be the only girl playing my whole life. So um, for me, I just kind of worked out... um, who wanted to be involved. I contacted people at the Wacker and um, Tim Lees, who was in the job prior to me, um, kind of helped suggest we start up a girls-only centre, so uh, your Woolworths Junior Blaster Centre, um, all for girls. So we had two programs running in the area that I was from um, in Rockingham, Mandurah, and kind of just kicked off from there. I got a casual job out of it, um, and then after I left school, um, I just did that kind of full-time with a couple of other jobs, um, which was fantastic. So a lot of the time it's just volunteering and and using your passion, which is where it all started. Yeah, nice. And do you remember that conversation with Tim um, sort of around what what specific skills and traits they were looking for when they identified you for that role? So they just wanted someone who was passionate about cricket. Obviously, I did tick a box that I was female, running a female centre, um, at the time, and I think I was about 16, um, 17. So um, I guess that's all you needed to be organised, to be able to talk to parents as well. Um, and as a 17-year-old, it's quite difficult um, in the respect that, you know, you're meant to be the leader and, you know, have that authority over children. But, um, you know, you're not a parent. You don't know how to deal with them. Um, so I just kind of used it as... How, how would I like to be treated? Um, and I think that's all they were looking for as a casual um, position. So um, it was fantastic to begin, I guess, doing something you love rather than working at Macca's or, you know, KFC or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you were there for over five years. Uh, during that time, did the role change much with you and how did you also grow professionally as well. You mentioned you started quite young at 16 or 17 years of age, which is extremely young to be working in um, an organisation like the WACA, which is awesome. So how, how did you grow with the role during that time? Yeah, so 
um, once I was kind of 18 and um, I did a bit of um, exercise sports science for about six months and uh, while I was doing the full-time casual job um, and then I was lucky enough to yeah get that regional cricket manager role um, so that kind of developed from just being in schools and working with clubs to um, moving towards infrastructure and local governments and kind of understanding what we want as a region rather than just um, getting kids into cricket. So looking at strategy and making sure there was powerhouse clubs, so junior and senior clubs together, um, and there was a lot of a lot of networking, a lot of information sessions, um, a lot of education from myself um, to kind of understand what needed or what was happening within the area. Um, it was kind of like having an ear low to the ground and making sure you knew everything about everything in cricket. Um, so that's kind of how it changed from schools, I guess, to more strategy and um, implementing new programs and um, just making sure that everyone did their part, I think, um, all about delegation, I think, at the end of the day and, and valuing your volunteers. You mentioned briefly that you had to go out and do a lot of networking. Was that with the, the clubs that you were, were serving at, at the time? Yeah, so a lot of clubs. Um, so working with, I guess, presidents, coaches, um, even some players as well. But we had a regional cricket board that we established in 2011. Um, so that was in, I guess, my first year starting um, straight out of school. And that was also working with local government um, lots of schools as well, different community groups. Um, we ran, for example, we ran like an Aboriginal camp. Um, so um, kids across Western Australia came to this camp um, in the school holidays. So we needed to make sure we had relationships with those organisations. But I think a lot of the networking just came from talking to other people within sport. It's such a small industry. Everyone knows everyone. Um, and if you do a good job or you say what you're going to do, um, people have your back. And um, and I think people recognise that. Yeah, awesome. Um, and just, just on top of that, um, you know, networking is quite a daunting thing no matter how old you are. For you who is, you know, still in your early 20s while you're going through all this, how did you find that experience? I think it was just being yourself. I think it's something different. I was different in the sporting industry, being so young and female. Um, you know, you had those had those times where a lot of the the men were kind of my grandparents' age and didn't want to have a bar of it. But I think it was just letting them know, like you know, it was one of those first things. Do you have daughters? Do you have granddaughters? Um, do you have people that want to be in the sporting industry? You've got to give them a chance, whether they know it or not. So. Uh, I think in that respect, it was just making sure I was treated like a human being, I think, um, and just being treated as if or treating others like I would want to be treated um, and just being authentic. I think there's nothing worse than someone trying to be someone else. Um, it's clearly not sustainable, um, but, you know, having that passion, I think people see that. Do you remember a particular... Uh, conversation with any you know old typical um, white male president who can be hard to get through to and and here you are who's just <laughs> into the scene um, and you're trying to suggest to him some of the better ways that he can run um, cricket in his club do you remember having any of those tough conversations and how do I guess you know as you said being authentic help you in those situations 
I think it's just understanding. Um, I've had quite a few of them in in my time, so in cricket for like eight, nine seasons. Um, so for me, there was a lot of that, um, especially moving into um, a few different roles in Cricket Victoria as well um, and trying to implement junior girls cricket. Um, there was a lot there and it was just being open and honest and just understanding where they've come from. You know, cricket has been around for years. It's been male-dominated. You know, it was just kind of showing that I understood that, where they were coming from, and the work that they had done in the past, you know, really changed things for, you know, young boys and men Um, and just saying that this is the future. This is how, you know, we try and grab the whole community on board and I think a lot of people change their perception a little bit by just actually having a conversation, I think, and asking the questions why. Why do you still do it that way and why haven't you changed? And I think, um, yeah, in the long run that changed a lot of the conversations I was having with these people and presidents and committee board and boards um, for the better, I think. Yeah, nice. And um, that probably bodes well for my next question. Um, you decided to change things up and move to Melbourne, which a lot of young people in Perth seem to be doing, um, and started at Cree Victoria. Um, and we're just wondering, what are some of the sort of the best examples you shared in your interview that landed you that job as female participation specialist um, that you could share? And I know, Rubes, we've spoken a lot about sort of interview strategy and sort of really using um, real examples that you've actually done in your professional life in those interviews. So, um, yeah, we'll interested to hear what um what examples you you shared so for me one of them was yeah kind of talking about the girls only center um, when I was quite younger is how I engaged girls at the assemblies and clinics and and kind of how I spoke to parents and um, coaches about that and lining that pathway for where to next for them having that relationship and that networking opportunities that I've had with local government and kind of putting myself out there out of my comfort zone a lot um, I think was a real great opportunity for me and and something that I guess landed with Cricket Victoria Um, I'm very I I work very well in a team as well as um, as an individual so um, that's really important in in sporting organizations is to make sure you can that you have all the values that the organization does um, but the main thing I think was passion. You know, my passion was to, to grow women and girls in, in cricket, well, in sport in general, but specifically cricket. And um, that's something that not a lot of people actually have. Um, there's, you know, a lot of males applied for that job as well, which could have been easily a great candidate or a great selection. But I guess having that female perspective also is another another win in an organisation really um, and someone who is passionate and loves the sport I think too. So I think you don't, you didn't necessarily need to know cricket, um, you just needed to to know how to deal with a lot of people and how to have those conversations and influence. So for me that was a huge part of the examples that I gave um, through the interview. Um, it didn't really matter if I knew cricket or not, it just was helpful that I'd already been in cricket for five, six years. So, yeah. Awesome. 
when you were preparing for that interview, did you think back to like any specific moment at your time in the whacker and thought, oh gosh, that's like that's a great result that I'm definitely going to use, or this conversation with that person is going to prove that you know I can I'm up for the challenge. Or that, do you remember some of those very specific kind of examples you were able to share? Uh, I think the the key one for me was I was lucky enough to um, get on board with Milo T20 Blast when it first started. Um, so I think it's Woolworths Master Blasters now. Um, and at the time, I had the biggest centre in the country. Um, so worked my butt off and um, hosted a, um, a centre at the beach. And we had over 100 participants on the day. It was like 32 degrees. The sand was roasting. Um, but everyone jumped on board. And we ended up having 80 to 90 register um, in the first session, which was fantastic. So it had never been heard of before, something that I was really passionate about driving um, and actually went from Western Australia to Melbourne um, to speak to all the head of GMs about it um, and how we went about it. So I think for me that process of how we promoted it, how we marketed it, how we discussed with um, our key stakeholders and clubs to jump on board was was a big thing for me um, and probably a pivotal moment of kind of that first moment of having the biggest centre in the country um, later that year. Um, there was a couple across the country that had 200, 300 participants, but I guess that initial moment is pretty satisfying, I think. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's awesome. For a young female cricket to do that is um, sensational. So when, when you went across to Victoria... The female participation specialist role, was that a newly created role at the time? Yeah, so it aligned with Cricket Australia and Combank um, and it was the kind of aligned with the Growing Cricket for Girls funding. So that was all about establishing junior girls competitions, um, implementing the junior formats, which are, I guess, nearly across the country. Um, and it was just trying to give the opportunity for girls that, didn't really want to play with boys in the mixed competitions, uh, just wanted to give them an opportunity to be themselves in the, a safe environment for them. So there was a lot of, st- there was a study done by Roy Morgan about all of this um, and kind of these roles popped up and it was something that I thought was a little bit of my dream job really in cricket, you know, promoting women and girls in sport, you know, how could you not want to jump on, part, you know, be a part of that. So um, yeah, it was a newly created role and, and I felt it was kind of perfect for me. So um, I guess that's why I jumped in. Yeah, nice. During that time, you know, in any role you sort of at the end, at the end, you, you hang your hat on a few things that you were able to achieve um, over that time. What were some of those things that you, you're really happy that you were able to achieve and um, what do you think were the key things that you did or relationships that you formed that allowed you to achieve those results? I think uh, discussing a lot with clubs and associations and and we had to implement these through associations and a lot of it was done separately to the the mixed competitions. Um, We still aligned them and the funding was definitely a great help. Um, in that but I think associations needed to do the work themselves Um, a lot of them didn't understand the work that needed to be done but building those relationships and being there to support them in every step of the way was huge Um, implementing the junior formats but just kind of being there um, 
and making sure you have those honest conversations to say it was going to work or wasn't going to work was probably the biggest um, factor in that. Um, there were a lot of people that thought, you know, that they could get 20, 30, 40 teams and ended up only with four. So um, I think it was just making sure that they weren't disheartened and, and just kind of being genuine and authentic and, and supporting them through that uh, was huge. Another was, I guess, starting out, there was already um, a couple of associations that started off with a you know a few small numbers. So there was like 40 teams in Victoria. And I guess by the first season that I had done, we were at 150 teams. And um, I guess after my tenure, there was about 350 after three, four seasons. So I guess that's a huge result. And um, Victoria was leading the way in that junior girls space along with New South Wales. So um, yeah, I think there's so much room for opportunity and development in that space um, and hopefully it continues. Yeah, oh, that's super. Um, we know each other a little bit, Amy, but I had no idea that you'd done all that. So that, that's really cool to hear that you've um, had such an impact in, in female female cricket. It's always uh, it's always good to, to get a leg up on New South Wales as well. I will, I will yes. add in there. So good, good on you, Amy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, so for anyone else who's trying to, you know, who's listening at home thinking, gosh, I want to, you know, follow the same path as Amy White and achieve these incredible things in, in grassroots cricket, what, what's a, a couple of things that they can do right now? Say they're still in school or they're still at university and they're looking to go down a game development career traje- trajectory. Uh, what, are a couple, what, are, what are a couple of things that you would recommend to them that they can start doing right now? I think forming those relationships are absolutely crucial. So people at your local club, whether it be the president or your, you know, your coach, you want to help out with some of the younger teams. Um, I think going to your state sporting organisation or, you know, your or football club or whatever and ask that you're available to volunteer your time, um, I think is, it's priceless. I mean, you're volunteering your time. You want to be a part of that club, Um I feel that's probably the best way to go about it. I mean, that's how I started and I think it's just been, a you know, showing everyone how passionate you are um, and you're willing to be there. You're not just doing it for the sake of that next step in your career. You're there because you want to and people see that and I think people see that you don't have to be the best person at the job. You just need to put everything you've got into it. Fantastic. So, Amy, more recently you've graduated from the Richmond Institute of Leadership completing a dual diploma in sport development and leadership. Is that right? Yeah, so we had the dual diploma, um, so diploma of sport and then diploma of leadership management. And I got into that through the Change Our Game scholarship um, through the government and given that I had worked in the sport and rec industry for over 10 years, um, it was a great opportunity for me to I guess get some a better education and I'd never really studied or finished studying um, during my time. So it was probably something that I felt I needed, um, kind of wanted to reassure that I was on the right track with my leadership um, or the management side of things um, and wanted to dive a little bit into the sports development, um, you know, within coaching or a bit of psychology, emotional intelligence, that kind of thing. So, yeah, the course really stuck out to me in that respect and um, being face-to-face, that's how I learn best um, rather than online. So I couldn't really not do that really. 
What what made you seek out further study? You'd done pretty well up until this point without having to to go to uni. So what kind of um, you mentioned you got the scholarship. Do you reckon you would have gone back to study without it? I probably wouldn't have, I don't think. Um, I think I would have potentially moved into a different career or um, probably just found my way, I think, a little bit. Um, with the networks that I've created, I probably would have swapped, swapped codes. For me, it was more of a reassurance that I was doing the right thing, that I was saying the right things, Um and kind of just working with other other people and it, because it was with Richmond Football Club as well to expand my networks a little bit more too. So having the different opportunities that I never would if I just stayed in cricket. Um, so having that scholarship it was something that definitely kind of put me out of my comfort zone a lot, um, I think. So without that and without the support of like Cricket Victoria, um, I probably wouldn't have been here today. Awesome. And during that time, you actually picked up a few awards for yourself, which is fantastic, and actually had the Richmond Footy Club create a role for yourself. Now, it might just be me, but I'm guessing not all award winners from that program would be getting a job. So what was it do you think that they saw in you that just made them say, no, we need Amy on board? Well, I guess throughout the year, something that – a lot of the a lot of the staff knew that I'd also worked in Creek Victoria, and that's where I did a lot of my placement hours, uh, which was also very handy. Um, but I think it was just p- being passionate within the sport, willing to put my hand up for as much as I could um, in the time that I could, um, and just having conversations with the staff. And you know, I had. Uh, one of the teachers, Villa, he was constantly in my ear, what are you doing after the course? What are you doing? Like, you know, are you open to opportunities? And, and that's something you've got to say is you have to be open to opportunities. There's no way I wouldn't have been. Um, you know, if something popped up and it was right down my alley, um, you've got to take it with both hands. And that's what we were told within the course was every opportunity that comes your way, just take it. Um, changing your perspective to say that, oh, I can't do that, to I could do that, um, and what if, um, rather than probably not. So I think for that, having that different mentality and being so interested within the processes and the organisation itself um, showed a lot of resilience and I guess worked hard um, through it, changed a lot. Um, and kind of opened a few of the teachers' eyes to to what I could do and my potential. Um, and that's something that I guess if, you know, myself looking at a couple of the students now, um, you know, you see those ones that are putting their hands up left, right and centre and they're the ones that you want on board. They're the ones you want, you know, to have your back and um, I guess showing that leadership within like across across the 12 months um, doing the course was probably the best thing I'd ever done um, to open up my opportunities for later. Awesome. You mentioned that your um, your teacher was tapping you on the, show, on the shoulder constantly saying, what are you doing next? When can we get you in? Um, how did those conversations develop and did you have any say in what sort of role you would be creating for yourself? Um, it was something that I... If he didn't tap me on the shoulder, I probably wouldn't have really approached them, I don't think. Um, There was a lot of things like, oh, like I would love this opportunity to do something in this space or I would 
you know, I would love to work more in that mental health side of things or the um, emotional intelligence. And it was kind of talking to those teachers saying, I would like to do this or I would like some extra support here. Um, I think it was just having those conversations to kind of spark that um, initial thought to the possibility of working at Richmond Football Club, um, you know, loving their culture and the values that they have and the staff that work there are so passionate um, about their jobs and about being involved. It doesn't feel like you're an outsider. It feels like you're a part of the team. Um, and I wanted to be a part of it um, after being in it for 12 months. And I think just learning to meet everyone and, yeah, like I said, just put your hand up and um, and ask those questions of how else you can help out, I think really helped in that sense. We often get a lot of students asking, you know, where, where are the opportunities? Where can I find a job? Are there any in- internships here and there? As you've kind of just shared with us through through your story, it sounds like, you know, if you're, if you're an absolute gun and, and people like you, then, you know, people will create roles for you. Is that outside of just, you know, your transition into Richmond Football Club, have you seen a lot of that in sport and across codes and organisations in general, or is it more an opportunity becomes available, it goes to market, and then people apply? So I think a lot of the sports industry is who you know, right? So, you know, if someone knows that you're a great person, you're really passionate, then you're definitely going to have a foot up for someone who doesn't know at all. That's, you know, you're definitely going to be put above the pile. Um, And I definitely believe that. Um, I think for myself, I know that I've helped a lot of people that I've met over the you know, over my course within the sports and rec industry is people have asked me that, you know, my opinion of that person, um, you know, and I've given my honest honest opinion and I really think those people um, that I've helped get jobs for, um, you know, they're passionate about their job, they're well organised, they're volunteered, they're, you know, they're willing to go above and beyond. Um, I think they're the people that, you know, will find themselves jobs um, because they're authentic and, they've made a difference or, you know, they've put their their all into it. Um, and I think that makes a difference within an organisation when people hear that, um, when they're hiring, um, which helps. And obviously I'm not an expert in this at all, um, but for me I've helped, yeah, quite a few people get a job in the sports industry because I've seen how they operate and how they work and I would love them on my team so that organisation would basically miss out if they didn't have them either. So, um I guess that's been, a, I guess, opened my eyes a lot as well in how the industry works. Well, I found it anyway. Awesome. <laughs> Based on those people that you've been able to direct into the sports industry, what are, what, what, what are your top three things that people can do to, you know, create a role for themselves? I think asking the questions. If you're in a particular role at the moment, um, I think asking those questions of how you can do some professional development in another role, how, you know, I guess that shows um, shows initiative and, and that you're wanting to go above and beyond that you're already doing. Um, I think it's having the conversations with your managers or with people in different sporting codes or um, I guess it's basically just putting the feelers out as to this is what I'm interested in, you know, are you able to help me with that? Um, I'm still capable of doing what I'm doing now, but I want to challenge. You know, if someone sees that you want to be challenged and they you want to continue developing yourself as a person, one for the organisation you're already in or, you know, that you're wanting to get into, I think asking those people um, 
I think it's having the conversation and just being so passionate about what you're doing, um, whether it's volunteering or whether it's as a casual. Um, I, I don't think people will look past that um, very often. Hopefully that kind of answers the question. Yeah, that, was, that was great. <laughs> so do you think like, so like personally I reckon one of the biggest things is showing your, yeah, showing your passion and being genuine about why you want the role? It's not, it's not just about sort mm-hmm. of I want to work here, I want the role. It's I would love to work there, this is why, this is what I think I can bring to it. So it sounds like a, a lot about what you've said is it's not just simply a job but it's I'm genuinely passionate about this area and I really want to get involved. Mm, so. No, absolutely. Um, I remember speaking with a bloke in America who used to work at the Cleveland Cavaliers and he mentioned that he'd get approached by people who, who would literally just want to come and work for the Cavs because they want to see LeBron James play. <laughs> and he said, you know, if you approach me like that, you know, I'm going to get scared in a flash. But if you come to me with specific skills and an area of knowledge that I can see working my organisation, yeah. then we can start to talk about how you might fit into that. So last question, Amy, that we'll throw at you. Um, what would you say to anybody currently thinking about enrolling uh, in that diploma? I, I just say take the plunge. Why not? It's an incredible course and I just felt like for me it just reassured that I was on the right path of being in an awesome um, industry. So, you know, to see all the passion and um, within all the students that I went to school with um, and even the teachers that, that teach was incredible. Um, so I just say, yeah, why not? Um, you've got nothing to lose. And um, I guess it may just enhance your experience and your networking opportunities. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Amy, and for sharing your story. It's extremely cool to see how you've been able to create this career for yourself within sport and through being able to influence the people who choose to play sport as well um, and being able to take that across a couple of different codes and a few of the major sporting organisations within Australia as well. So pleasure to have you on. Thank you for your time again. And if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Um, Well, hopefully everyone can um, find me on LinkedIn under Amy White um, and also um, yeah, follow us also on the Richmond Institute as well. Perfect. Well, you've got a bit of a unique uh, spelling of the name Amy, so we'll include that on the website so people can find you. But thanks again, Amy. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Sports Grad podcast. We hope everyone has learned a bit from Amy's story uh, during this episode. So please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And we thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the SportsGrad podcast. If you need help with your sports career, head to sportsgrad.com.au and download our free ebook today. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a tag on socials at SportsGrad. 